Ah, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start there at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is simply believing in something you hadn't seen. I mean, but it's also the substance of things hoped for. It's your hope. Now, when we use the English word hope today, it's, it's, it's evolved into saying hope like, oh, well, I hope, like this kind of a fear. But that's not how the word's defined. And let me define it for you out of a Webster's 1828 dictionary. Here's the definition of hope. A desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or a belief that it is obtainable. Hope. Now, listen. Listen to this definition. Hope differs from wish or desire. So when you say, I hope, you're not saying, well, I wish and I desire. Like it. Hope differs from wish or desire in this. This is how it differs. That it implies some expectation of obtaining the good desired or the possibility of possessing it. Hope, therefore, always gives pleasure or joy. I'm going to read that again. Hope, therefore, always gives pleasure or joy, whereas wish and desire may produce or be accompanied with pain and anxiety. Guys, that's what faith brings. Faith brings hope. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen, which, are seen, which were not made of the things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. That's a type of the rapture. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We know the word of God says that you're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should burst. You're saved by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. The reason why you're saved by faith is that anyone can have faith. You're seeing here, as we're reading through chapter 11 of Hebrews, how important faith is. And I'm telling you what's important about it is that anybody in this room can do it. It doesn't matter if you're blind or crippled or you're deaf or dumb, you can't speak, or you're mentally challenged, or you're young or you're old. Everybody in this room can have faith. But not everybody can do a work. You might be on the bed of affliction. You might be laying in a hospital bed. You might, be, you might not be able to move at all. But you, everybody can have faith. And I'm so uh, thankful the Lord made faith this means of salvation and not works. Amen? Amen. Okay. Maybe I'm the only one that's thankful for that, but I am very thankful for that because I can't do a work. I'd mess it up. Verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Remember, when Noah was out preaching that it was going to rain and it was going to flood, it had never rained before. God had watered the grass with the dew. It had never rained before the time of Noah. So when Noah's out there saying, God's going to send a rain, it's going to send so much rain, it's going to flood, he's building this ark, and they're like, why are you building this big old building? It looks like a big coffin. And Noah said, because God told me to build it, it's going to rain, he's going to flood the old, oh, what's rain? Water's going to come out of the sky. It never happened before. 
And Noah kept on preaching it. Not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith! Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. He didn't know where he's going. God just sent him out. Verse 9, by faith he sojourned. That's a, simp- that's a temporary stay. In the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Hey, it's a tabernacle now, but it's a mansion later. By faith we know that. Verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So by faith we're in here this morning, we're looking for a city that's not made in America, that's not made in this world. We're looking for a city called New Jerusalem up in heaven. Verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. That's our God. See that in the middle of verse 12? He, him as good as dead. God brings life from death. That's your God. That's the Jehovah God. That's Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do you realize when Jesus Christ walked on this earth, nobody could die around Jesus Christ. They couldn't stay dead. He, he, he wouldn't have been a good Baptist minister because he never preached a funeral. All he did is walk around, and there'd be somebody walking, and they'd have a funeral procession. He'd walk over there and just lift them up off there, and oh, praise God. He, they couldn't stay dead around him. Our God is a God of life, eternal life. Amen. And God has been showing that through, to man throughout the ages that he is a God of life. Says, Sarah says, my womb is dead. I'm way past the age. Boy, I can't have a baby. And God says, you know what? I'm a God of life. You're going to have a baby. That's our God. And that's what that verse 12 is telling us. So many as the stars of the sky and multitude, and as the sand which is by sea, shore, innumerable. They had faith to believe what God had told them. Now look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they, that su- for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is unheavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. Let me ask you a question. Dear American citizens, are you looking for a better country? Amen. Amen. I'm looking for a better country. I think everybody, it don't matter if you're a Democrat, Republican, or Libertarian, or vote, or don't vote, or don't care, if you're Chinese, or everybody is looking for a better country. Well, I'm here to tell you the best country you can find is up in heaven. And the best city you're going to find is in New Jerusalem. And there's, a, there's in that city, there's a God there, and it's your God, He's your Creator God, and He's not ashamed to be called your God. That's amazing. Up at verse 13 is what I want to preach this morning. Up at verse 13. I'm going to focus on verse 13 about the promises. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, 
and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I want to talk about the promises and how we're persuaded. We're embracing them, and we're going to keep on confessing them. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us this morning, Lord. I pray, Father, you would give me the words to preach, Lord God. I pray, Father, be like holy man and come down, Father, for your people to feed off of, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that you would hide me behind the cross, Lord God. And I pray, Father, if I say something that's not pleasing to you, Father, it'd fall on deaf ears. And, Father, I do pray, Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, they can't think of a time that they took Jesus Christ and prayed and asked you to save them, Lord God. I pray, Father, at the end of this service, Lord God, we're going to give an invitation, Lord, that they come on down and get saved. And Lord, I pray, Father, for everybody in this room, Lord God, that you would bless them, Lord God, and speak to the heart the truth. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. I love verse 13, and verse 13 just stuck out to me just like a light. God shined a light down on verse 13 the other day when I was reading through my Bible, and it says, these all died in faith. These all died in faith. You know, if the Lord tarries, we're all going to die in faith. Sister uh, Alice Martin, she just recently died in faith. Brother uh, Raymond Music, he died in faith. He died in faith believing he was going to heaven. Sister Alice believed she was going to heaven. Sister Mary Reynolds, she died in faith believing she was going to go to heaven. We have so many loved ones in this church that died in faith believing that, that they were going to go to heaven. And if the Lord tarries and he doesn't come back and doesn't rapture us out, we're all in here going to die in faith. Everybody, I don't care if you're lost or saved. See, if we die, we die in faith as a Christian, believing that God has God God saved us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and we got, we're going to wake up, we're going to wake up in the arms of Jesus, wake up in heaven, we'll be with our loved ones that have gone on before us. We're going to, all the great, wonderful promises, we're going to talk about those, but we die believing that. But there's also some people that are going to die in faith, believing that there's nothing to come. Like, I've heard them. I mean, I've witnessed the people who say, well, when I die, it's just nothing. It's just, I just go in the grave, the dirt's going to eat my body. But what about your soul, though? I know your body's going to go in, but what about your soul? What about your mind? What about your intellect? What you, oh, I just, it just go, it's just nothingness. And they believe that. Now, I've, heard, I've talked to some people that are lost, don't believe in Jesus Christ, but they say, I believe in near-death experiences. I believe that when you die, just like they've had near, you die, and that you'll see a bright light. And then I'm going to go into that light. Well, yeah, that light might be a big train coming the other way right at you. <laughs> you never, if you had the kind of Murphy's look I have, that's probably what would happen. Oh, it's a bright light. <laughs> I was talking, when I was a young, very young Christian, and I was so naive as a young Christian. I, I met a young man who had just lost his dad, and I had lost my mom at a young age. And I, I said, well, was your dad saved? And he looked at me like, what? I said, Is your, was your dad saved? He said, what do you mean? My dad died, then it occurred to me that I was speaking church speak. And we got to be careful. Sometimes we speak, we speak church speak. And I said, well, did your, dad, did your dad, was your dad a Christian? Did he know Jesus Christ? And this is his answer. Oh, yeah, yeah, my dad, he's up in heaven right now. He's got a big, uh, a tall beard in his hand, and he's, he's fishing right now up in heaven. That was his response to me. And, of course, I didn't say nothing back. But the point is, is do you believe that? I'm not making fun of anybody, I'm just saying, but everybody's going to die with some kind of faith. You're going to die in some kind of faith. And what I love, I've got books at home, you ever want to borrow one, books on the deathbed confessions, where people who are dying, you know, people say whatever they want to say when everything's going great. Just like they say, there's not, you can't find an atheist in a foxhole. 
Uh, people always, I don't believe in God. I don't want nothing to do with God. I, I, I used to ride with a guy. He was so wicked. He was so evil. I nicknamed him Lucifer. And he, I don't, I don't, and he said, and I said, well, you know, he was trying to get me to look at some woman that's walking down the road. We're working together. And he goes, hey, you look at that one right there. Look at that one right there. I said, you know what Jesus Christ said? He said, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery with her already. He looks at me. He goes, well, I don't like what Jesus said. I said, well, I don't like it either, but that's what he said. I don't like what you said. That's what he did. And the, I don't like what you said. I don't believe in God. But, you know, we'd go into an alley, and we were in an alley. I mean, I'm talking about like a long alley. These alleys are tight. We're in these big old crane trucks. We're in this long alley. And you know what happens? This black cat runs across. Oh, get in the truck. What do you mean? Get in the truck. I'm going to back out. What? Did you see that black cat? Yeah. He, that just crossed my path. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And beep, 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 beep. I'm like, no, man, no. You're going to back all the way out of here because of that cat, a stupid cat? No, man, that's bad luck. That's how he lived his life. That's how he lived his life. And I'm here to tell you this morning, we're all going to die in faith. And the Bible says they all died in faith. But these had faith in God. Jehovah God, looking for the promises, having received the promise, have not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. I think it's very interesting that uh, Paul says, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, that he says that they've seen them afar off. Because in John chapter 8, verse 56, Christ is describing Abraham, how Abraham had seen his day. And Abraham, and they said, Abraham, you saw, how would you know Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. You know what Christ's response to that was? Before Abraham was, I am. They tried to kill him. Why would they try to kill him for saying that? Because he's saying, I'm God. I'm God. But he said that Abraham had seen it. He had seen it. They had seen it. But it says it's seen it far off. And we're persuaded of them. We're persuaded of them. They were persuaded. They were embraced. And it says it persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Talking about the promises. They were persuaded of the promises. They embraced the promises. They confessed the promises. God has given Christians wonderful promises. That's what makes being a Christian such a wonderful thing. It's the promises God's given us. I mean, it, this, would, this would be like, like, like Paul said. The Bible's so right a hundred times, a hundred out of a hundred times. Paul said in the Bible, he said, if Christ, Jesus Christ was for this world only, men, we would be men most miserable. In other words, if Christ was just for you to live on this earth, like, I'm going to be a better person because I'm a Christian. Man, you, I tell you what being Christian's like, it's horrible. Because you're under a microscope, you get called a hypocrite, you can't do anything you want to do because you get convicted about it. I mean, before I got saved, I, I just did whatever I want to do, talk like everyone want to talk. Now I can't even, can't even do simple things, and God says, oh, y'all, what you doing that? Like, oh, come on, Lord, I just, I want to say that. I really, really want to say that. And he won't let you. It's kind of hard being a Christian. It's not easy. But God has given us these wonderful promises, and these promises are future. We had not seen them. Amen? Okay, let me, let me give you an example. Eternal life. That's one of the great promises of Jesus Christ. I will give unto them eternal life. Have y'all seen that yet? My body says no. Right? My back says no. I got up this morning, oh, my head is pounding. I'm like, oh, yeah, eternal life. This is What kind of eternal life is this? It's a future promise, amen. But the promise is a wonderful promise, a promise of eternal life, a promise of no more death. Amen. 
Amen, guys. No more crying. No more sorrow. No more tears. Man, this, these promises are so wonderful. They're so amazing. And they, these people were living by faith, not seeing that yet. And here we are living in 2021, having these same promises. We haven't seen them yet, but we know they're there. We can see them afar off. And praise God for them. No more death, crying, tears of sorrow. Imagine in heaven. I know we heard a sister in here this morning talking about how she's going to find another place that uh, the landlord's won her kicked out and she's going to have to find another place and it's so expensive where they're living. It's like, man, I can't wait to have to, because I'm dealing with some of the things. I can't wait not to worry about taxes or if a house is 900000 or the rent is $1,000 a month. Christ has got a mansion waiting for me. I go, to prepare, I go to prepare a place for you and where I am, there you will be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I can't wait to get up to heaven. I can't wait for these promises. The streets of gold. Men and women are fighting and killing and murdering over gold down here. And up in heaven, we'll be walking on it. A river of life. I'm a nature lover. I love to go on walks and walk through nature and look at God's creation. I think God's an amazing creator and designer. I love Father God. He's such an amazing creator and designer. I love looking at the trees and how he designs things. I just seen a new tree. I'd never seen one before called a twisted willow. Twisted willow, it's the, the branches all twist around and everything. It's a beautiful looking tree. And the friend of mine that had his tree in his house said, I'm going to cut it down. I don't want it. I'm like, no, no, don't cut that tree down, man. That's a neat tree. That's a neat tree. And one of our friends, he bought this house when one of our friends had passed away. And his friend, our friend that had passed away, when he first bought that house like seven years ago, he planted that tree and he had grown up. And I said, man, don't cut that tree down. Don't cut that tree. I love God's creation. But can you imagine a river of life? Where there's trees on each side and every month it produces, those trees produce another fruit. Just, guys, we can't, we cannot imagine what God's got promised for us. The Bible even tells us that. Paul says, but, is, but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Those promises are wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. And the promises that are, that are due to us in the present are wonderful too. You know, God, the promises for a Christian is peace. The promise of peace, that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful gift. It's a wonderful promise, the promise of peace, the promise of forgiveness. I mean, that's a promise. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, what a promise that is. When you got saved, it wasn't just, okay, you're saved and he forgives you of all those past sins. No, you're saved and all those sins in the past are forgiven and all those sins in the future are forgiven. Praise God for that. Because, bro, I need it. I need that cleansing. And I need that forgiveness. I need a father that's merciful and kind and promises. If I'll come to him under the precious blood of Jesus Christ, I'll not be cast out. He'll forgive me. He'll show me grace and mercy, all that I need. Guys, those are wonderful promises. Wonderful, wonderful promises. One of the greatest promises he gives us in Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 5. So my question to you is, what kind of promises has your God made to you? I know what, I just gave you all the promises, not all of them. I gave you some of the promises God's made to me. Here's a book here by Lockyer, 
All the promises of the Bible, look at that book. It's just a book full of promises God's made to man all through the time. Right here. That's what my God's done. What's your God done? What kind of promise is science? If your God is science, what kind of promise is it made to you that hadn't kept? I'm not going to get into the vaccine. I get people stirred up when I do that. What kind of promises were made about certain things? I'm, just, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to step on your toes. toes. I'm trying to make you think, think, think. What are you trusting in when you die? When you, when you die in faith, what's your faith? Is it, your faith is in science? Is your faith in... My faith's in God and the promises of God. Now, if you're a Muslim, you, you might say, well, my God promised me 72 virgins when I die. You've heard that, right? My luck, I'd get up there, they'd all be men. There's your 72 virgins and all these men come out, you know. That's crazy, though. Who, who would want that? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, I know y'all men are out there with your wives, but who's going to want 72 women around them all the time? I mean, y'all don't get mad. Y'all women don't get mad. But I mean, think about that. Y'all women don't want 72 men around you all the time, right? Why would, that be, why would that be a blessing? That sounds like hell to me. Here's 72 virgins. Uh, can I just go off by myself? You know, a, a, a group of birds is called a flock. A group of cows is called a herd. And a group of women is called a headache. Yep. That went over really well. I'm persuaded. Are you persuaded? Seeing them afar off, and we're persuaded of them. Persuaded of them. So we're persuaded of the promises. Are you persuaded? That means knowing the promises are true. Knowing the promises are real. Believing that God promised you, and you're persuaded He can do it, and He's going to do it. Yeah. I've had people promise me stuff, and they promise me something, and I know in the deepest parts of my heart, they can't do it, and they can't fulfill that promise. You know, you had people, I, I promise, you, oh, anybody who's had any kind of contract work done, Brother Erwin, you, you'll forgive me for this. Anybody who's had any kind of contract work done knows the contractor will tell you, yeah, I promise you I'll be there tomorrow. We'll get started on that. And tomorrow comes and never show. And the next day comes and they never show. And next day comes. And they'll promise you something that they can't keep. It's not even really their fault, amen. But my God's not like that. If he promises it, it's going to be done, and it'll be done on time, the time he says. That's the scary, that's the scary part about God, because the promises work both ways. He can promise you, hey, if you do this, I'm going to get you. And you can be sure that God, when he promises you that, it will happen. I'm persuaded. God has never let me down yet. Why are you so persuaded, Pastor? Because God's never let me down. He's promised me, he's promised salvation and forgiveness. And when I bowed my head as a 17-year-old young man, and I bowed my head and took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, because I heard the promise, if you'll come down and take Jesus Christ, he'll forgive you of your sins. And I went down the aisle of a church, Baptist church, a lot like this church, and I put my hand in the preacher's hand. I said, I want to get saved. And he said, well, let's bow your head and let's ask Jesus Christ to save you. So I bowed my head and I said, Lord Jesus Christ, will you save me? Please save me. I know I'm a sinner and I, I need to be cleansed of my sin. You know what happened when I did that? Because God had promised me if I did that, something would happen. You know what happened to me? Bam, I got saved. <laughs> and I, it was different. It, the promise was kept. And he's been keeping promises for me ever since. And if you, I'm talking about a God that keeps his promises. It's, it's because the promises of a wonderful salvation, the promises of peace that I've had, with the, knowing that if I lay my head down tonight and don't wake up, I'm going to be in the arms of Jesus. Those are wonderful promises that he's given each and one of you that take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 2 Timothy 1.12 
Paul says something really good there. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul says, I'm persuaded. Are you persuaded? I know I'm persuaded. It's hard to talk me out of it. When you're persuaded, when you're talk, when, talking about dealing with others, when you're persuaded, it makes you try to persuade others. Some reason, some people try to accuse us of evangelicals. They call us all kinds of names, Bible thumpers, evangelicals, you Christ. Uh, they have all kinds of holy rollers, you know, and everything. The reason why we're like this, the reason why we're like that, why we're always trying to tell people about Jesus Christ, give out gospel tracts, the reason why we're like this is because we're persuaded. It's a good thing. And we're, we want to persuade you because you're missing out. You ever gone to like a, a cell or had something really, like you, you women know what this is like. I've seen this in action where a woman finds out about a cell somewhere and then she starts t calling all her friends. They convince them, hey, you need to go down there. There's a great cell going on. And she's convinced because she's already been down there and the cell's going on. That's the way it is with Jesus Christ. Hey, I've already tried him out. It's great. I'm it's great. Give him a try. Well, I don't want you to push your religion on me. I'm not pushing my religion on you. I'm pushing the man Jesus Christ. I'm introducing you to somebody. I don't want you to be a part of a religion. I don't want you to do any kind of work. I don't want you to come to Indian Gap Baptist Church. What I want you to do is I want you to meet my man, my main friend, my Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Here he is. Do you want him? Man, he's the best thing ever happened to me. Embraced. They were persuaded of them, of the promises. They embraced them, embraced the promises. You live life and the occurrences of life like the promises are being kept. That's how you live life. You embrace them. Embrace them means you just grab a hold of it. You embrace it. You don't let it go. You grab a hold of it. And that's what you're doing. We grab a hold of these promises. When life starts throwing us uh, a storm, the storms of life come in and life starts throwing darts at us. And man, you know, life just starts getting you down and th things are a bomber. You got to think and embrace those promises of God that, hey, things are going to be better on the other side. Things are going to be better over there. When you look at this world, you're like, I don't see how it could ever be straightened out. I don't see how this world could ever get straightened out. You've got to believe and remember, hey, God promised he's going to come back with his son, set up his son, and he's going to straighten it out. Yes, You've got to believe those and keep, Embrace them and don't let them go. Don't let those promises of God go. The promise of God affect everything you do in your life and every way you react. When you keep these promises and have faith in the promises of God, it affects how you treat others. It affects how you think about life. When the doctor comes into the office and says, hey, I've got some bad news for you. You can leave that doctor's office. I'm not saying you're happy. I'm not saying you're clicking your heels. But you've got that faith, that inner faith that helps you know, hey, God promised that he's going, that he's going to help me through this. And I've seen other brothers and sisters going through what I'm going through, and they're being helped by God. And God's keeping the promise with them. And God's going to keep the promise with me because I serve a good God. And he's a promise keeper. He doesn't break promise. He's not an ending giver. He gives you something. He's not going to take it back. He's God. He's the Lord God. He's great. He's wonderful. And what makes him so great and wonderful is because he promises great things to us and keeps those promises. I used to have an uncle that would come into the house. I see, didn't see him very often. He worked for the railroad, so he always had money in his pocket. And when he'd come in the house, I was a little bitty kid, and he'd always come over and he'd always give me money out of his pocket. And it'd be like a dollar or two, but it would be like $200 to me. So guess what? Every time that, every time that uncle came in the house, that was my favorite uncle. And my mom was like, don't go running over there to him. Don't go running over there to him. Leave him alone. Don't run. But I, I couldn't help it. <laughs> I just look up at him, you know, and he'd, hey, what you doing, boy? You know, and he'd bring out some change, you know, and I, yeah, yeah. That's how God is to me. 
Every time God comes in my life, it's wonderful things. Wonderful things. Wonderful things. Wonderful promises. Wonderful promises of God. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, what Peter says in 2 Peter 1.4. Once you embrace these things, it makes you want to tell other people to embrace them. You encourage other people to embrace them. No matter how bad life gets, you know the promise that at the end it will be good. That's Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. And finally, confessing. Confessing the promises. Confessing promises is simply doing what I'm doing here this morning. Just say it out loud. Hey, I believe God's going to take care of it. I believe God's promised me a better life. No matter what happens, I'm a winner either way. If, if the Lord gives me cancer and I, I lay on a cancer bed, I know, hey, I'm about to go on to heaven. Things are going to get better from here on out. This is, the, this is as close to hell as I'm ever going to get. That's the promise of God. Thank God for that. Thank God that He's in control. And thank God that when you, the promises of God, you read in the book of Revelation that He's going to straighten this world out. And there's, this, this world's going, there's going to be a new world and a new heavens and a new earth. And, Everything's going to be straightened out. You've got to keep those promises in mind and confess them and talk about them and, 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 and confess them. I'm just passing through. This is not my home. We sing about these songs. We sing them in songs. I'm just a passing. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We, we sing these songs. We confess it. So when somebody comes up to you and says, uh, I don't believe that. They're going to die in faith with something else. And whatever faith they have, they're going to die in that faith. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You know what I say when somebody tells me that? Well, you can imagine what I say. Well, I believe. <laughs> I believe it. Well, I don't believe it. Well, I believe it. Well, I don't believe it. Well, I believe it. <laughs> I'm going to get the last word, amen. <laughs> That's why I wouldn't check my email for the longest time because I'm going, yeah, I, mean, I hope that guy don't respond back because I won't be able to let it go. I have to respond back to him. And then he'll respond back to me. And then, we had that happen. One time I was preaching. I preached a sermon on homosexuality and I had a guy start emailing the church, emailing the church, writing letters to the church. And I said, hey, I'm done with you. I'm not going to read another letter. I've told you what I think. I've told you what I believe. You know what you believe. So let's just drop it. Sends another letter to Sister Linda. And I told Sister Linda, I don't want the letter. So she calls me up and says, hey, Brother King, we got another letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want me to read it to you? No, I don't want it. No, no. Well, it, you said that you wouldn't read it, but what if I read it and read it to you? That wouldn't be like cheating. No, I don't want to read the letter. Because I can't sleep at night. That stuff just drives me nuts. i got to answer them. That's what I'm saying when somebody says, well, I don't believe that stupid stuff. Well, I believe it. I don't have no problem standing up for Jesus Christ vocally. Because they don't have no problem offending me vocally. That's how I see it. When you confess, it makes other want to confess. When you hear other people talking about Jesus Christ and promises of God and confessing them, it makes you want to confess them. It helps. It really does. Hebrews chapter 9 in closing. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. I'm going to turn there. We're going to close. The great and precious promises of God. I hope you're persuaded. I hope you've embraced them. And I hope you're confessing them. But finally, I want to show you in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, another promise of God for everybody in here. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. 
So in closing, I want to show you and point out to you that the Word of God says he's, God's got another promise. He's going to judge you. And I can't warn you enough, that's not going to be a good thing. And if you think you're going to stand before a holy and just God, and He's going to judge you by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, He's going to judge you that way, you don't stand a chance. Because you know, all those little things you've done, all those little lies, all those things you did that you've forgotten about, God didn't forget them. And the Bible says in Revelation 20, He's going to open up the books. <laughs> that's, that's not good. Books full of your sin. And read them out to you. And he's going to judge you. You're not going to stand a chance. And the Bible says if your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, he's going to take you and cast you into a devil's hell. He's not, he can't have anybody unholy in his presence. If you had somebody unholy in heaven, heaven wouldn't be holy anymore. Then how are you getting in, Keegan? I'm getting in by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He's cleansing me and washing me and making me holy. So when I get up there, I'll be clean. I don't have to worry about I'll have the mind of Christ. I don't have to worry about if I'm thinking about sin or doing sin because I'll have the mind of Christ. So when he opens up that book up in heaven, and he has a book named Keegan Hall right there. It's going to say Keegan Hall on it. And he's born on not, uh, uh, it's going to be born on February 25th, 1971. He's going to have my date on there. He's going to say, when I die, to be on the other, be like a tombstone. He's going to open all those sins. And when the angel starts opening up and starts looking, he's going to say, Father, there's a problem here. And the father's going to say, what's the problem? He says, I can't read the sins because they're covered in the blood. There's no account that's been covered in the blood. If you want your sins covered in the precious blood, so when you stand before God, He won't be your judge, He'll be your Father. And you stand before God and you can say, Father, I love you. And the Father can say, come unto me, son. But if you go and die in the faith of anything else other than Jesus Christ, good luck. I'm not telling you what to do. I would never tell you what to do. I would recommend what you can do. And what I recommend you do is Jesus Christ. Take Him as your Lord and Savior. Take those promises. And the promise is He'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And when I took that promise, God on, his, on the word of His promise, and I took that serious, I've never been the same. Best thing ever happened to me. So if you need Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we're going to give an opportunity for you to come on down here and get saved. This isn't an opportunity to join the church or get baptized. This is an opportunity for you to have an encounter with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know Jesus Christ isn't in here this morning? He's in here this morning. But let me tell you something else about Jesus Christ. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, He's not standing behind me. He's not standing behind some other Christian in here. He's standing right behind you. Because He loves you. If you're lost in here, He loves you. This book is not about the 99 sheep that are found. This book is about the one lost sheep. That's what this book's about. In other words, it's God's search for you lost man or woman. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to save you. He, wants to have, he has all kinds of promises He wants to give you, but they can all be through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for Your promises. Lord, I thank You, Father, that uh, I'm persuaded, I'm embracing them, and I'm confessing them, Lord God, and I thank You for Your Word, Lord God, and I pray, Father, that I know there's other Christians in here that feel the same way I do, Lord God. They love You. They're they love your promises. They're, they're persuaded of them, Lord. They're embracing them and they're confessing them, Lord God. And I thank you for them. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that you've got a place waiting for me in heaven. Lord, I thank you. That's where my mom is at, Lord, that she knew you. And she's up in heaven, Lord God. And I thank you for that faith, Lord God. And I have to pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will move among us, giving us the truth, Lord God. And I pray, Father, if there's somebody out there this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Father, as we give an invitation, will come on down and get saved. 
And Father, I pray wherever they might be, if they're listening in, tuning in, wherever they might be, Lord God, that they'd just get down on their knees, Lord, and call out the best way they know how, admitting they're a sinner, knowing and believing you died on the cross to save them from their sins, that you're a resurrected Savior. They call out to you in prayer, Lord God, that you will save them like you saved me, and all those promises will be for them. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. Let's have an invitation, Brother Matt. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. 
you can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.